I've had a pretty wild like mental health journey on this. Um, always live with anxiety that crashed into a season of depression, which led into a, a season of suicidal ideation. And when I look back, I, I'm able to kind of pull out and extrapolate how I got there. And now I have non-negotiables in my life. And we try to create a space for people to have those non-negotiables in their life as well. Welcome to The Culture Edit, your weekly roundup of all things work and culture. Hosted by Nikki and Chad Strickland, co-founders of Niche Culture, a strategic consultancy and creative agency helping some of the world's top brands define, articulate, and promote their culture to their employees and the world. All right, well, welcome to episode 008. 008. Yeah, after 007, a very important one. This is part two of a two-part series, but before we get into that, Welcome. Uh, it's Friday morning. We're at the office. It's pretty nice out after a rainy day all day yesterday. Might get a few more showers today. Buongiorno. Don't say buongiorno again. <laughs> say something different. Bienvenidos. Okay. Uh, we have we've we've had a productive week. We've gotten a lot done. Uh, some interesting things to talk about. But first off, we want to say a big happy birthday to MG. Uh, the MG, Michael Garrison. Happy birthday. How old is he? 22. 22, wow. Yeah, 22. Time flies when you're growing up. It does. Yeah, I feel like just yesterday he was 15. <laughs> yeah, or 12. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so tonight for Michael's birthday, we are joining his family, because we're like the extension of his family, uh, at Highland Tap, which neither of us have been there in a long time. So kind of excited about it. It's like an old, you know, kind of old school steak place it is i i actually used to go there a lot I, I bet the first time i went there i probably wasn't much older than michael i bet i was like 24 the hmm. first time i went there um but yeah it's solid um are you gonna have a martini probably not oh. <laughs> I, just, I can't handle my liquor i might do a manhattan happy meal i don't what is that french fries and a martini oh i see okay that makes sense yeah i'll probably stick with wine I don't know. I'm kind of I'm kind of tired, so layering liquor on top of exhaustion doesn't typically work well for me. Uh, and I don't have anyone to to wake me up when I fall asleep. Um, you mean Caitlin? Yeah, yeah. Caitlin's yeah. like my waker upper. That's true. Speaking of Highland Tap and restaurants, do we want to touch on Michelin? How they're coming to Atlanta and how I I really don't know if anyone is truly worthy of a Michelin star. Not because of food. We have amazing food here. But I've never been blown away by service yeah. at any restaurant. Can you, we were talking about this, can you imagine the judge coming from Copenhagen where he's <laughs> used to going to like Noma <laughs> and then coming here and experiencing the level of service that he's going to get? <laughs> and someone <laughs> pours your rose wine and then drips red wine all over your white jacket. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's going to be. And then the, they don't even think there's anything wrong with it. And that. those are the expensive places doing this. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there are, there are, really nice restaurants um business chronicle had interviewed just a bunch of different chefs and restaurateurs around atlanta asked them which restaurants they thought would get a michelin star uh and you know a lot of the answers we actually haven't been to the ones that were getting to like getting the most accolades for most likely to win so i think we probably need to leave our neighborhood and dip our toes into some del bar del bar was on the list well, yeah, yeah, it was on the list. But there was a lot that we haven't been to. Like, yeah. what, what was the... Lila, Lila. Lila, Lila, who I can't remember who was just telling me about it, but they also said it was the best restaurant they'd ever been to in Atlanta. So maybe that needs to be next on our list. Yeah, that's a bold statement, though. 
I mean, you know, Bacchanalia is probably the leading candidate for it. I, I think they, if anyone would be able to get a Michelin star, would be them. Yeah, I, I've never been there. Oh. You've never taken me. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, we'll add it to the list. I mean, I mean, Goose takes, like, his first dates there, but you've never <laughs> taken me. <laughs> That's true. Uh, Richard Tang said that he thinks uh, Magic City might get a star <laughs> for their well, you know, <laughs> for their wings. I think it depends on what the... <laughs> Well, what por portion of the night the judge is operating in. He's going to be so shocked that I read the five print in the Business Chronicle and saw that he said that. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. Yeah. So earlier this week, we're doing our Monday movie nights. Uh, we saw Oppenheimer uh, at 4.30 in the afternoon, which was nice because it was light when we went in and it was still light when we went out, came out. Uh, and just to clarify for all those judging, literally worked all day Sunday. And so you were like... Well, I worked all day Sunday. You rode your bike. Well, yeah, I mean, but you, you were, you, I worked half of Sunday. Yeah. But my point is though, that it was like three o'clock on Monday and you were just like, screw this. Let's go, let's go to the movie. Yeah. My, my mind was just kind of tapped out, um, on Monday yeah. and knowing we had a ton of meetings the rest of the week, I need a little recharge, but, um, cause we'd had meetings all day Monday to yeah. that point. Yeah. It's just like, what do you do after being in meetings basically from nine to three no 8 a.m 8 a.m sorry first meeting was at eight yeah, yeah. uh 8 a.m on a monday that's fun um but yeah so went to the movie it was really good you know it was three hours long which is long for me i'm like a kid movie type person cap uh, tap out at like an hour and a half but it was so good that i got a little fidgety but uh not not full-fledged fidget yeah it's gonna win a lot of awards yeah it's really uh, the actors and actresses were just incredible i mean top notch every every scene there was a new a-list actor that was only in the movie for like 90 seconds like, it was kind of like a surprise yeah like kenneth Branagh and gary oldman which you didn't even realize was gary oldman because he was so well done as truman um he's literally in the movie for 90 seconds you know what was interesting in i think relevance to what we do is not knowing that oppenheimer wasn't the best physicist and he wasn't he was bad at math which i noticed by the way but he was the leader they, they he was selected to to lead the team to build the nuclear reactor uh and the bomb ultimately you know i thought that was really interesting perspective in that you know from a historical perspective i never thought about that before but that was really kind of the whole point of the movie was he was this leader uh and he was good at it like he he had empathy for his people uh he stood up for them um but he also was just very naive which i think is accurate from what i've read do you want to talk about ncl <laughs> An so, another thing you had to deal with over the weekend yeah so was that saturday um yes yeah. it was saturday so we did as well we didn't even talk about how we did a century on saturday and how that went um, but Saturday, Covington. yeah, Saturday, woke up at 5 a.m., was at the, uh, left the house at 6, did the Covington Century, which is by far the hottest century of the year. I don't know why we go back every year and do it. It was your last one. Yes, it's my last one. Every year I cramp, <laughs> every single year. But this was terrible because I made it to mile 54 before cramping, but that also be happened to be the furthest point from the finish. Yeah. And just full locked up. Fell in the ditch. Fell in the ditch, legs cramping. Uh, it took me so long to get the cramps to stop. But, you know, so after that, came home, took a nap, um, and woke up to some... <laughs> it's just so weird. So I wake up, and I get a message from one of my girlfriends through Instagram. And she goes, you know, something to effect of, 
I was listening to this podcast and they said you're the new CEO of NCL. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? <laughs> uh, I was, you know, half asleep and really confused. And I just started laughing. And she's like, no, no, these guys, like, they have this podcast all about, you know, cycling in America. And they said that you're the new CEO and, you know, you were a board member. And all, is that is that true? So I obviously correct her and say, no, that, you know, it's not true. I'm not even, I don't even understand because we interviewed the CEO just like a couple weeks ago. Uh, so I, you know, reach out to these guys and I'm being nice. And so. But these guys aren't like experts or anything. They're not. No, they're not even like... They're not like journalists or anything. It's just like a couple of dudes that ride bikes. They're, they're like kids, you yeah. know? I was trying to be, you know, kind of nice and professional and, you know, just said, hey, you know, I'm not sure where you got this information from. It's inaccurate. Uh, if you could please take this out of your podcast. I don't want anyone getting confused. X, Y, Z. But you, but you, you see the part where we listened to it. You literally were on the ground crying. You were laughing so hard. I was laughing because, so hard. Because they, they screwed it up so bad. That it was like, yeah, they got this new CEO. Her the, name's Nick Nikki Nicole Ticknor Strickland, which you don't never use. That's like your LinkedIn name. Uh, and so, it's, and then it was like went into you're on the board and like uh, nothing about Andrea. No, nothing. It was so <laughs> nothing weird. about the actual CEO. Nothing about <laughs> Andrea. And also, they they were splicing together so much weird information. So they're like, oh, she's the the founder. So they, I'm the CEO now. Got got a promotion. Cool. Yeah. Never got the paycheck with that promotion. But then they also say, and she's the founder of an agency, Niche Speed Club. And she, niche, ha niche. And she has an <laughs> under 23 uh, Cat One cycling team, right. development team. I mean, it was just like, where, where are you getting your information? And I'm Googling, like trying to see like where, you know, where could the, where could they be getting this information from? I'm not finding anything. So I'm like, did they literally just make all this up? I, and ironically, all they had to do was listen to the podcast. Yeah, yeah. That's all they had to do. So they, I guess they saw it on social media and, or something. They saw a headline. Well, no, no. I can tell you what happened because okay. he responded. So first, the more ironic part is that our pod, that podcast is specifically about bad journalism and reporting on things that aren't fact. Our, and, our podcast was about yeah, that. Our, yeah, our podcast. Yeah. Um, so if they had just listened to that, they would have gotten the correct information and they would have actually done their research so they didn't fall into that trap. Um, but when, you know, the response I got, cause I did say like, is there a source that you're getting your information from? Cause I want to make sure I'm kind of clearing the basis of, of everything. Yeah. Well, you know, I, uh, saw the NCL athletes post your podcast. And so then I, you know, thought that you were the CEO, but I, I didn't listen to it. So I wrote <laughs> that down, but then I, you know, this, this, and this, and this, and, but the, what got me is, so he's like going through all this stuff and he's apologetic. And then there's the butt, but <laughs> I've been really struggling with some health issues lately. So that's why this happened. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I'm like, all right. Um, look, I'm empathetic for people with any type of health issue going on. Like definitely don't want that for anyone. But unless you're just having like a mental breakdown, I don't really feel like this impacts the ability to fact check your podcast that you're spending so much time on in editing right exactly like that's just an excuse it's just weird how people always default to being the victim yeah like that's a story for another day but anyways my favorite part of the whole day though was sending it to andrea <laughs> and telling her that i said i got a promotion that, that, that you have taken her job i hated to tell her on a saturday <laughs> <laughs> and she you know we're we're all friends so she was laughing about it but 
and they did end up taking it down. Um, but but sidebar, what probably what really irked me though, like irked is the best word, is in the middle of it while they're describing me, they drop in a oh yeah, they drop in a well, she's very well spoken. Yep. And that is like the number one microaggression. Oh boy. Usually from men, obviously it can come from men and women, but it's, it's usually men saying this towards women, towards minorities, towards anyone that doesn't look like themselves. And it bothers me because it tells so much about like your thought process in that you, when you say, oh, well, they're actually well-spoken. That means you thought that they weren't because of how they look or their age or their gender or their skin color. It's just a really weird microaggression. And anyway, so I got some cool swag coming uh, that says well-spoken on it. So if, if you are uh, out there and you want to be labeled as well-spoken like I've been, uh, let me know. But I don't know if you're, you're clearly articulating why that is insulting. And, and this is something we like, this is one of our... Uh, I'm not clearly articulating why I'm talking about. <laughs> so I'm not well-spoken is what you're saying. Um, no, that's not what I'm saying. You are very well-spoken. <laughs> you can't even help yourself. Uh, by the way, and, and this is something we've talked about a lot with people. Guys will say they're really well-spoken. They'd never say it about another guy. No, they wouldn't say yeah. it. Like, you know, 35-year-old white guy isn't going to look at the other 35-year-old white guy and say, you know what? He's super well-spoken. No, that doesn't happen. They just say it towards women and towards minorities and to anyone that doesn't look like them. And it drives, it just, I don't get hung up on a lot of little things like that, but I definitely get hung up on that one. But that guy on this cycling podcast, he probably has no idea that that's offensive at all. He, he literally has no idea. He, he probably thinks that's a compliment. Well, that's the whole point yeah. of microaggressions is people don't realize what they're saying, but it's so embedded in them to look down on someone that doesn't look like them that it, it, they think they're giving you a compliment, but really it's just a microaggression. But don't you have to, for it to be an aggression, doesn't it have to be conscious? I just, I feel like a microaggression has to be so, conscious. Uh, but the definition of microaggression is indirect, subtle, and unintentional discrimination. Indirect. Subtle. Subtle. Or unintentional. Unintentional. Yeah, discrimination. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't say that that guy, he probably has no idea that that's offensive. Uh, he's just heard his dad, his, his granddad, dad, a, his yeah, uncle. His, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but if he thought about it, he probably would be like, oh yeah, I guess saying a woman is well-spoken. I mean, I, it's just, I never say that about my friends. Exactly. Would he say the, the other idiot that he has co-hosting the podcast with him <laughs> is well-spoken? <laughs> no, well, no, he would never say that about him because yeah. he looks and sounds like him and is probably the same age. Yeah. Well, you've got, uh, we've got swag coming. We should thank him for that. It's probably going to be the hottest swag we'll have. Yeah, I'm pretty excited, actually. Yeah. Should we invite him uh, as a guest on the pod? Absolutely not. I I'm not <laughs> even going to say their name or the podcast because yeah. I don't, I don't want to drive people to something that is just like they're not even doing their basic fact checking. So who knows what else is coming out of this blabber? Yeah. Uh, but speaking of, do we want to, speaking of the NCL, some big news this week is that um, despite these third-tier guys talking about the failures of NCL on their podcast, NCL actually brought on some huge investors and partners this week, uh, like Kevin Durant. Yeah, if you listen to our episode with Andrea, she kind of hints to this. Like, they obviously, they knew this was coming. 
and she had told us too, she was like, gosh, I wish it, you know, this could be like three weeks later because we're going to have a very big announcement. The, the announcement is that Kevin Durant and Desmond Howard and, um, I forget his name. Um, but he's, it's Kevin Durant's partner, uh, and they have an investment firm and they are investing heavily into the NCL, uh, which obviously will give them a lot more capital, uh, that, you know, they need to pull off this kind of like first class American bike racing that they want to do. So congrats to Andrea Paris and the team for uh, pulling that off. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing news. Yeah. My, my most, um, important cycling news from this week though, really like all that stuff is great, but we watched the Mark Cavendish documentary. So good. Yeah. Uh, definitely recommend it. And there's a, a little cameo by one of our local Atlanta cyclists, uh, Ian Garrison. Yeah, Michael's brother. Michael's brother. Yeah, he's in the dock. Yeah, which is, that's that's really cool. Yeah. I, I texted it to his mom. I was like, look, Ian's in the documentary. Yeah, it's, you know, if you're not a cycling fan and you tried to watch the Netflix Tour de France show uh, documentary and like me agreed that it wasn't that great, this is the opposite. Like, this is actually a really, really good cycling documentary. It tells a story. There's an actual through line. Uh, it's about a guy that was at the top of his game, came down, had a lot of challenges, uh, had medical challenges, had mental challenges, um, basically hit rock bottom and then came back up to the top. Uh, and so it's against all odds because he was at the point where he came back pretty old. Uh, and no one thought he could do it, and he ended up tying the the record for the most wins in the Tour de France. Yeah, great story. Yeah. Uh, do we want to dig into the culture edit? Sure. The world of work. Yeah, what's world happened of work. this week for do we, you? Do we want to go into the disconnected and ironic segment first? The the most important <laughs> news from the world of work this week, which you're pretty excited about to talk about. Lizzo. Yeah. Drop the Lizzo uh, tune here. Uh, she is being sued by three employees for harassment, sexual uh, harassment. Yeah, it's it's every it's sexual harassment, emotional abuse, physical abuse, uh, body Re religious discrimination, religious discrimination, body shaming. I'm like, what, Lizzo? I thought you were Miss like all bodies are beautiful. It doesn't surprise me. These celebrities are so disconnected and think they can get away with every everything. Why would Lizzo be any different? Normally, I would say she would get away with it because I don't think anyone cares. I, like, I don't think fans of celebrities care. Like, we've seen that. Yeah. But I think this will be different with Lizzo because I think her fans will care. Her fans are different because they like her because of what she stands for in terms of being a quote-unquote good person. Right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just... And again, it's just a lawsuit. It's not substantiated. Yeah, but, I mean, it's like anything. But if there's truth to it, then uh, she's denied it. But if there's truth to it, then she's she's in trouble with her fans. For sure. Uh, do we want to talk about what's happening here in Atlanta downtown? Yeah, sad news for our friends at Newport. More sad. We're just giving bad news yeah, today. We uh, some good news. And our good friend of the pod, April. Uh, Newport uh, has, I think, spent the last five years acquiring property in South downtown uh, as part of a larger kind of vision and development along with CIM uh, to develop South downtown Mitchell Street and the Gulch, which is what CIM's is, which is they call Centennial Yards. Uh, Newport uh, announced this week that 
unfortunately, they've had to sell uh, all of that property. Um, but the good thing is, it looks like the developer that's buying it shares the vision that Newport had for South Downtown. April post, posted a nice long explanation on their Instagram, South Downtown. And it sounds like that developer is um, is in line with what you know they had hoped to to achieve with their vision for South Downtown, which we really were bullish on. We really think there's a huge opportunity there to, to kind of change Atlanta completely. Uh, they sold it to the Braden Fellman Group. Oh, there you go. Which is local, uh, and they've done a lot of very successful developments in Atlanta already. Um, so hopefully, you know, I think from the average citizen here uh, and consumer, I think, you know, maybe we won't even see any difference in terms of what the development looks like, but we really liked Newport in April. Well, I mean, I still have hope that downtown will, South downtown will become something really cool. I mean, there's so much potential. There's so many cool buildings down there. I mean, Cat Eye Creative, our friend Adam, he has an art gallery down there that's awesome. Um, so I, I, I see positive things in the future. It's just going to have to be the right vision with the right amount of money. Yeah, for sure. So next week, we'll be coming to you from Utah. Yep. Uh, we're going to be on the road. We're taking the show on the road. We've, we've got some work meetings out in Utah, uh, and then we're going to be making our way towards Steamboat uh, for our big event of the year, uh, Steamboat Gravel, to see our friend Micah Rice, the race director there. Uh, and we've got quite a few people, which I know we've mentioned in the past on our previous podcast. We've got quite a few people that we're going to meet there. The Wahoo crew is going to be there. Uh, so that'll be, uh, it's finally here. Like we've been training for, for months for this. Um, but, uh, this show will continue. We're not going to take time off. Uh, we'll still have a few, uh, posts while we're on the road, probably two. Yeah. Actually we'll have two while we're on the road. I mean, we're going to Utah, we're, we're going to park city, Moab, and then steamboat. So we're going to have a lot to report on because the place we're staying in Moab is really, really cool. I think we should, um, you know, we haven't talked about this, but I think we should just preview who next week's guest will be because it's right in line with what we're doing. Yeah, so next week's podcast will have another guest, uh, and it's John Trainer, the Chief Technology Officer of Wahoo. Uh, and we can tell you it is pretty awesome. Uh, it's very insightful. So if you are into uh, Wahoo products or know what's happened with the organization, uh, John's very transparent with us about past, present, and future, and it's going to be pretty cool. Uh, but the good thing is, uh, which it all kind of lines up, we didn't actually plan those. We're going to be at Steamboat, which is the Wahoo Steamboat Gravel. They're actually the title sponsor. And then we're going to have John Trainer on the podcast in the same week. Perfect timing. Yeah, perfect timing. Uh, do we want to dive into part two of last week's episode with Good Wipes? Yeah. So great feedback uh, from the guy, from everyone that listened to the podcast with uh, Sam and Charlie. Everyone really appreciated, especially I think everyone loved the three of you talking about the glory days back at, at FSU. <laughs> uh, but hearing their journey, their entrepreneur journey, I think was really inspiring for a lot of people. For sure. Yeah. So, in just in case you didn't listen to last week's, uh, just a quick recap so they talk about their founders journey so charlie and sam are co-founders of good wipes a premium flushable wipe for adults uh, they're based out of atlanta georgia and they're one of the fastest growing consumer packaged goods in the u.s uh, they talk about their journey to get to where they are now and if you haven't listened to the last podcast 
I highly recommend you do. It's really inspiring. Um, in this episode, part two, they're talking more about culture and leadership. Yeah, cult. They talk about the, the culture and leadership and, and the lessons that they've learned. Yeah. I mean, Men mentorship, that's a big part of yeah, it. Yeah, mentorship. We talk a lot about mentorship. And the reason we split it up was, one for one, it was it was we had a really great conversation with them, which was longer than what we would normally do. But it, because it was such a great conversation, we didn't want to stop. And so that's why we decided to split it in two. This second one's not, not going to be as long as the first one. But we thought it was a nice way to package this up as the first is about their journey as entrepreneurs and what they've learned along that along those lines but the, the second part is really about how they perceive culture people uh and mentorship and what that means to them and their own leadership styles which i'm really impressed with i mean i, I think as uh you know two younger business leaders the maturity level that they have when it comes to understanding how important people and culture are uh, to their success is pretty impressive. Uh, it's refreshing, I think, to hear from business leaders that that do authentically want to do the right thing for their people. For sure. Uh, so without further ado, uh, the Wipe Kings are joining us now. Enjoy. So let's shift gears a little bit here and talk about the people side sure. of, of the business. It's one thing to be entrepreneurs with one of your best friends and put your own livelihoods at risk every day. It's another thing to all of a sudden have people that are looking at you and you looking at them realizing that their livelihoods are dependent upon the decisions you're making every day. Can you talk to us a little bit about that transition for you as, as pure entrepreneurs to now you know, business leaders? The weight of creating an economy for families. Yeah. Yeah, I think we've always been, I would say, risk adverse when it comes to people's livelihoods and bringing people on. We would only we only bring people on when we know we have the capacity to do it. And yeah, we prioritize that. Like we we love working. Sounds like you guys love working. Not everybody does. Pragmatically, if you want to survive and have a bit of a lifestyle, you're gonna spend a good amount of your life working. So what we try to do is we try to make that as enjoyable as possible. And we try to create a space where people like simply brag to their friends about where they work and who they work with. Like you actively think about that. You're, you're thinking about, we want to create a culture where people are bragging about it to their friends. Okay. Think about what you talk about at dinner. Yeah. You sit down. What is the person next to you complain about? My boss, this, you should have seen our CEO, the woman I work next to the guy I work next to. And it's like, okay, like that's what everyone's complaining about. How can we change that narrative? I've had a pretty wild like mental health journey on this. Um, always live with anxiety that crashed into a season of depression, which led into a, a season of suicidal ideation. And when I look back, I, I'm able to kind of pull out and extrapolate how I got there. And now I have non-negotiables in my life. And we try to create a space for people to have those non-negotiables in their life as well. Do you want to share what those non-negotiables are? Yeah, I mean, yeah. for me, Faith is really important to me. Um, you know, that could be a spiritual journey. Spiritual journey is different for everyone. Um, but my faith and relationship with the Lord is really important to me. That's number one. Um, people is really important. So that in community, so that looks like leadership and community is number two on the list. Uh, number three is exercise. I call that exploring the boundaries of my body. 
those are three non-negotiables. And then number four on the list of priorities is, you know, hopefully to make a little money along the way and make a difference. So I got to exercise. I have to have people that I'm fighting with, that I'm walking arms with. Typically, that's people I'm pouring into, people I'm walking with, and people that are pouring into me. And then I have to be stepping in stride with the creator of the universe. Yeah. Uh, Sam wanted us to all go on a little group run this morning. Yeah. Before. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, I, well, I mean, I did seven before seven. You guys could have joined. You did seven yeah. miles this morning. Yeah. Wow. I so your I phone is on the fucking road somewhere. Yeah. Uh, we, listen, I don't know where my phone's at right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's a better story than the last time I lost my phone. So. <laughs> oh yeah, Chad recently lost his phone too. Mine's in the bottom of a lake. Yeah. Uh, Sam, what about you? Like thinking about now, you have other people. You know, depending on you. What's that like as you think about the journey you've been on? Look, so for me, I, it's uh, it's just it's insane humility and gratitude to be like, holy shit, you are creating an economy, and that's where the headcount question. I hate the headcount. It's it's ridiculous that word. Yeah, the people on your team question like comes into play, which is wow, you you are creating jobs for people. That I am passionate about. That I love, even the, from the manufacturers and knowing that we're growing their business from the retailers, making the retailers happy. Like I love all that stuff. Like doing good business is really fun and rewarding for me. And so doing that with the team is a hundred X because I, I love, and I said this the other day, I feel like I'm in a sandwich. I call it a sandwich. And I'm sandwiched between the younger folks in the team who are high energy, creative, have unbelievable ideas, just doing, you know, they're in New Jersey now. They were at they were at the thing last night at the soccer game with us. And they're, and I just compare when I was 23 and 24. They're, I, I cannot believe that they're 23 and 24. I'm like, what you guys are doing compared to how what I knew in my brain, like it took us really eight years, nine years to learn what we know now about our business. And now they get to just act on it and crush it and do better and bring better ideas and like be in these meetings. Like I envy them in a way, um, but I'm also happy for them. And then the other side of the sandwich are, you know, the, some of the senior level folks, including Charlie and the team who bring this wisdom and these different perspectives and sa I would say just savvy to the role. Right. So let's say, you know, our, our two Toms, you have, let's just talk about, like from the, the sales guy, like just how savvy he is and like, Oh yeah, I, yeah, I'll just, I'm going to say X, Y, Z to them. And in the past, that conversation, the XYZ answer for me was months or weeks of figuring out like, what, what do you do? So to have that outlet to be, to, you know, ping pong back and forth and like have these people bringing the vision to life, it's, it's extremely humbling and rewarding, especially when they're doing it in ways that you can't figure out. It just, it's a testament to kind of the e-myth, like you need people to scale and gosh, how much better is it when they can amplify in different ways than you're thinking about solving a solution and problem. Well, one thing we were thinking about earlier, have either of you or both of you had a mentor that kind of you look back and you're like, that person really got me to this place, whether it's emotionally, spiritually, business-wise, all of it? I think a lot of times mentors show themselves after the experience. I think sometimes like in our minds, it's just like, oh, like I want a mentor and I want to sit down at coffee and I want this like old sage to be like, I'm mentoring you. And I think when I look back, there was a season maybe four or five years ago and I was like, dang, this is like, we don't really have anyone older in our lives that have done this before pouring into us or mentoring us. But when I look back, there are a handful of folks that have been really consistent with us and that have cared about us. And I would consider those folks mentors. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I th yes. We had a guy 
from Winter Park that took a like. Before we launched, Sam's dad had a business group that he would meet with once a month. They, they were they all had their own businesses, and they were like, "Yeah, like come pitch us like Shark Tank," and they ridiculed us, eviscerated. Yeah, <laughs> it was awesome. bad. And one guy took a liking to us, and for probably three years, he he would keep up with us, and he, he kept he kept telling us, you know, we're, we're bang on the basics, bang on the basics. Where's your accounting at? Yada yada yada. Know your numbers, and. Uh, he just gave us some some good insights for a handful of years. Um, but I think when I look back every season, there was a person or two. Yeah, it's, it's never that intentional, this is going to be my mentor. Mm-hmm. It's always an organic relationship. Yeah. I, all, all, the, all of, when I look back on my career, and I've had quite a few individuals that have made that kind of impact in my life. It it was never like intentional. Yeah. It, was, it was just a relationship developed and that they cared enough to give me their advice. Yes. And I think yeah. part of that is community. I would put mentors in your community. Uh, community is an intentional pursuit, right? So you do need to, in my opinion, if you want order wisdom and input in your life, you do have to be pursuing it, putting yourself in proximity to people to be able to curate a relationship with somebody uh, over time. And then I think going back to what we talked about earlier is I, I do think that there is a a, a bit of a hack with vulnerability in relationships. And if, if you can come with the truth, I think early on in relationships, especially with wise people, you kind of want to impress, right? But it's if you can come with the good, the bad, and the ugly, put it on the table, and really give them an opportunity to speak into what it is that you're pressing into, I think is when the beauty comes. And then I think being a good mentee to a mentor is pivotal, right? If someone's pouring into you, they want to, it feels good when you can come back and say, hey, Five months ago, you said this one thing. I, I remember this one thing you said over a two-hour conversation. We implemented it, and this is the result. And then that's, I think, when the people that you really shouldn't be demanding time of are saying, all right, let's book another 30 minutes. Let's book another hour. Yeah, that, that I actually listened to you, yes. and you're right, is yeah. pretty important. Otherwise, yeah. the mentor is just like, this kid didn't listen to me anyway, so yeah, that's good. on. <laughs> well, and nowadays, I feel like there's a lot of young people like that because of access to every guru on social media, every business coach. And so they kind of wave off the people who actually care about them mm-hmm. and the advice they're getting. Cause they're like, Oh, well, you know, this guy that I've followed on TikTok, he says this advice and, and yes. that's who I listen to. But in life, like that's not reality of who's actually trying to make an impact on you. Mm-hmm. Chad experiences this a lot. Yeah. They got to know, <laughs> I think for them to have like, yeah, you can hear things. But I think for them to have impact, they have to know you. And at the same time, for me, if I could offer an alternative perspective, I I think it's because for I, sometimes I sometimes I feel like it's hard. It, it is hard to find a mentor. Like you know, in Atlanta, there's not a lot of sorry. There's not a lot of like the CPG dream, <laughs> dream and the vision that I thought we were stepping into. Like doesn't really exist here. It does exist more now, but everyone's busy. It's like really, and there are a couple brands here that are building already a hundred million dollar moving to $200 million brand. So you can't just like get time on their calendar. Right. But, um, I, I do look to some of those just cause that's in the content. I'm consuming a lot of content sometimes more than I want. I make sure that I'm tuning into some of that stuff and saying, okay, that's bullshit. Okay. That from Gary V that does not apply to me or this from XYZ business person I actually do like that idea. So try to just like bring those in and just like, let it sit and be like, is that good? Does that apply to me? Does it not? And then you always have to filter through the lens of context. But I do use it as supplemental in between the, you know, if we can only get four meetings a year with someone that can 
like really move the needle on what what are they doing I, th I do think it's important to kind of have that stream coming through and then you can filter out what's important what's not relevant to you i found that um what i kind of separate my bucket of learning mentoring into two two different buckets one of which is what sam what you're talking about which is strict learning like being able to listen to people on podcasts reading books listening to you know, people on TikTok or YouTube and you take things away. Like you said, you, there's things that you're like, ah, oh, that's stupid, but you do learn things and it's more like an information session, um, even if it's about soft skills as well. But what I've really noticed is these, the mentors in my life who have no idea that they're actual mentors to me, I'm really paying attention to the way they treat people yep. in a business mm. situation, the way they carry themselves um, from a professional standpoint. And really, I mean, I have a lot of men that I watch this, but a lot of women as well, where I, <sighs> I know it's wild, a lot of female professionals where I am analyzing their every, like they have no idea, analyzing their every move and behavior mm. in business context to try and see, okay, I, that seems good. Maybe that I'm not going to adopt, sure. but it's like an unsung mentor. Yep, um, that I think is impactful. Now, let me ask you a question. What have you seen, without naming names, uh -huh. what's some bad behavior that you've seen from some oh. of these folks that you oh, wish God. were your mentor? It's the unpredictability of leaders that's mm. really scary. If you're an unpredictable leader going into a room, no one knows how you're going to react to anything. That stifles everything yeah. at the company. And so that's probably the number one thing I've seen if there's something I don't want to take away or as my own behavior is I don't want to be an unpredictable leader to my team, to yeah, my friends, great. family. Yeah. Um, and, and then the best leader that I've ever seen, and he's going to be on the podcast in a few weeks, he, he is in a good way, not a bad way, but so predictable in how calm, cool, collected mm, he's cool. going to be. It's great. And real. And that. that's the person when we talk about mentorship, that's who I, can I speak on your, like, that's who I want to fucking learn from. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where I think like the podcast is helpful. Because then I could listen to that podcast and pick up from him, analyze and say, wow, that's a great nugget. Yeah. Napoleon used to have his meetings and what he would do is... This is Bonaparte? Yes, <laughs> Napoleon. I didn't know how to say his last name. Okay. So uh, I didn't know if it's Bonaparte <laughs> or Bonaparte. But well, the, I was not expecting you to reference Napoleon, Napoleon Bonaparte, Bonaparte today. Okay. always <laughs> said that he wanted to have his meetings where at like the right level of enthusiasm and passion, but not too much, but still like calm enough to where people aren't losing their cool so that things could actually get done and ideas could actually be heard. And I, I love that as a framework for meetings. And the other framework that I like for meetings is that your surgeons around the operating table. And I would say I wasn't the best surgeon the other day. I mean, I'm just, I think of this, I think I, you know, cut a little bit of extra skin or something like that, but you, you, I, this is my favorite one is your surgeons around the operating table. How do we fix the problem? How do we fix the body? Uh, so last question on culture, the people that work at Good Wipes, Charlie, back to your scenario when they're talking to their friends or family and they ask them, what's it like to work at Good Wipes? Mm -hmm. What do you hope they say? I think I know what they say and I, I don't like ambiguity. Uh -huh. And it was, this is a word that we really kind of tried to race away from for, for a while, but it's fun. When people ask an interview like, oh, what's the culture like? And they're like, it's, it, I didn't like saying fun. 
but it's it's because the truth. It's amb- amb- because it's amb- yeah. like, what does that mean? Yeah. Something different yeah. to everyone? Yeah. Is it, does that mean it's soft? It's like yeah. no. Like we have a good time. Like we it's it's a place where we're curious. We press each other to be better. Um, we're a team of problem solvers. We're a team of people that have the confidence to make decisions, and we're a team of finishers. And I think that what I love most about our team is that they care about each other like really care about each other. So then all the other characteristics and attributes of like what makes great people, teammates and leaders, they fall into place, right? Like when you care about somebody, it's easy to be empathetic. When you care about people and you trust people, it's easy to be, to humble yourself in their presence or around them. Um, when you care about somebody, it's easy to stay up late or wake up early for them. Like all of those things fall into place when you create a climate where people can care for each other. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to say something and I'm, I'm tearing up a little. Okay. But to answer chart, hold on. I don't know how to turn this around. It doesn't matter. The reason I went to the soccer game last night was only to hang out with Connor and Nicole. Four hours. Yeah. It's a lot of time. Free food was yeah. great. Yeah. We got a, we, maybe a little business, but I just wanted to hang out with the team because yeah. they, they have so much fucking fun and they're about to go to New Jersey and they were just in Texas and I wanted to go on both, but I can't because I have other things because I love like field marketing stuff. I just wanted to hang out with the team. They didn't even know. No one knew that I actually wasn't invited. I saw the event. This is actually, this is so fucking funny. I, <laughs> I saw the event on their calendar, on Nicole's calendar. I go, soccer game, free. Like, I'm going. And, I, and there was a link to sign up for tickets. And I was like, holy shit, I'm going. And I told everyone last night. And they're like, and Nicole's like, what? I thought you got invited. I was like, no, I'm just here. And I had a blast. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of people that will listen to this and they're going to want to work it at good wipes mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. a lot guys if you if you want to hang out with me <laughs> and take me to a soccer game in a suite you know let's talk let's let's interview you let's let's <laughs> okay. really do you're, this you're gonna have a bunch a- of outside kids. of that what, what are you looking for what do you look for in people that, that work at good wipes yeah i mean i think i just said it right we, we need problem solvers right this every role right now is in the, like you're in the weeds you're in the mud Period. You got it, you got to have. I think I don't know. There's a book. Maybe it's called Radical Candor, and they, she talks about uh, the difference between rock stars and superstars. Rock stars are people that want to check in. They do their job very well, and they that's the lane they want to stay in. And there's superstars that are looking for upward mobility. They want they want to grow in their talents and um, in their career. And we have very few roles available or in the company. Period for rock stars in the season of growth that we're in. How, how do you find those people? Because I was really impressed when we went to the Good Wipes event at yeah. Lady Bird. Well, like one, just how many cool people you have on your team, um, but how many people are just so engaged. How do you find those rock stars? Like, how do you determine? We're always recruiting, right? We have we have four or five open roles right now. And we will, we have a process, you know, that we'll, that we'll put everybody through. But I think we have 80% confidence on who's going to already be in those roles. And so we're always, you know, we're always thinking about the future um, and thinking about how the impact a single person will have on culture and how to interact with the, with the rest of the team. Building a bench. Building a bench. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then it's I not think bench warmers. It's, it's, it, you're, you're in the game. Everyone's in the game together. Similar to your, you know, people want, people want to be known. And I, I think when, when people are working in a company, um, they want to know that the people that they're following love them, they care for them, they believe in them, and they have the ability to see greatness inside of them and pull it out. And that's really hard to solve in like a standard interview process. So we do, like, we demand a cover letter. It's old school, but 
as in responsibility of the culture of the team for the, for the people on the team, like you have to want to work here to be here. Some people don't like and that. So, and that cover letter is, I want to work at Good Wives for this. It's, yeah, why do, like, why do you think you're a great fit? Why do you want to work here? Don't be too corporate about it. And like, I want to know that you think the brand's funny, you use butt wipes, and you, you, know, you probably you like CPG, and it looks like a good opportunity because of X, Y, and Z. And you're good at a couple of things. Sure. Yeah. But those, those are non-negotiates. But problem solvers, um, people that have the confidence to be decisive, we have to be decisive. We have to move. Have to move. Um, and then you also have to be a finisher. Well, I think that's mirrors what John, so he's, we interviewed him last week. Um, he's the CTO of a big tech company here. Mm -hmm. And he said, I look for, you can, you can't hire for skill necessarily because people mm -hmm. are going to tell you they're the best at whatever skill yeah. it is, but you don't know until they actually get in the job, but you can hire for passion. You can see based yes. on what they do outside of their life. If yeah. they're leaders, if they're passionate about something, you can learn, you know, you can hire for that. I, I agree. I, we, the words that I've been using that I don't love, we, we rate on loyalty and ability. And like loyalty, I'm referencing all, kind of like this, the soft skills and the and fit. And you get, for us, we prioritize loyalty and desire before ability. You got to be able to do the job, right? But if it's the best person, but they're a dork, a dick, and they don't get along, like it's not going to work. Um, so can, can I, may sure. I just add one thing? Yeah, I love that. I think... I think you can have some dorky behavior, but everything else has to, to check out. <laughs> Sam Sam felt a little attacked with the dork. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just want to like clear the air there. You know, what dork. I mean? When I say dork, I mean it, it. It's just like like the guy that was talking crap about us behind our backs at complete nutrition. Yeah, that's. A, I, yeah. I would. That, I would use dork in that. Yeah. Just yeah. Like, yeah. A so, yeah. like a social dork, like not a good person. Yeah. 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 Yes. Like a, ba yeah. a bad yeah. bad yeah. boy or girl. Yeah. yeah. Let's move to the rapid fire. All right. Let's move to the okay. right. You're going to get this soon. All right. Uh, <laughs> who would die first in a zombie apocalypse? Me. We answered this question the other day. No, no. That was very rude to say. I'm sorry. Yes, me. <laughs> Sam. <laughs> uh, if you were arrested with no explanation, what would your family and friends assume you had done? Oh, wow. This is fantastic. Yeah. I, I, feel, I feel like both of us people would be pretty surprised. Yeah. And I think if... I, I think three things. One... Maybe in college, fighting, now yeah. speeding, or I think as our business gets bigger, you know, people are like, oh, maybe they did something they shouldn't have done. <laughs> Tax evasion. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah I think for, I, I, I people really, would be surprised, I think. I think people would not be surprised if they knew I beat someone's ass and got in trouble for it. <laughs> so if you could merge two animals to create a super animal, what would those two animals be? Um, a dolphin and a polar bear. That Why? Brilliant. <laughs> I don't know. I think it'd be cool. That does sound kind of cool. To to roam the sea would be really nice, but I think and then and then to roam the sea <laughs> because <laughs> if you merge the two, you're a mammal still. Okay. Right. Yep, so right. elite oh. swimming capabilities, and then you could walk on land as well. Holy shit! I'm the animal guy, so I'm like, <laughs> I feel like a little so what do you you know, like attack right now, <laughs> and I might emotionally freak out in this meeting because I don't have an answer. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think what, what pops in your mind? I I would do a bird. I would probably do an eagle. Um, what I was going to say, brand. What species? I am uns. I would mix an eagle, maybe the harpy eagle in South America, with the snow leopard. Nice. In the Asian step. Wow. That is that is me. 
that yeah. is me. That's that's, that's impressive. Good. I I, I see it now. I feel like we can write an. I want to write an Animorphs book on me doing that. Oh, yeah. I forgot about Animorphs. Yeah, that was I love. That was one of my favorite shows. Weirdest smell that you've ever smelled. Pass. <laughs> was that pass? Because it's too bad. You don't want to talk about it. I don't want to out people like that. <laughs> that's so. What is the superpower you wish you had? That's not like a normal superpower. That I would. I think the superpower that I work on the most is perseverance. Are we in a pageant? <laughs> what? <laughs> I feel like we're in like a beauty pageant. No, I like, think. What? I, I like. Did I'm you listen to Tim Ferriss on the way here? What? Did you listen I'm to Tim Ferriss? I'm dead serious. No, I'm so like ser like I think of who I am today, who I want to become, and in the middle of it of that space is simply a series of disciplines. And if I can be if I can be persevering and disciplined, we can I can do whatever I want. Yeah. I literally believe that. No, I I agree. I hundred percent agree. Mine would be two. Mine would be one, three. One instantly remove all my body hair. Two. You know you can do that, right? It's like, such a pain in the ass. <laughs> two would be to fly, and three would be to like immediately just get super lean. It was okay. Well, you fly can also because it was that. a non-superpower superpower. <laughs> oh. Yeah, uh, I, can yeah I guess, but, I guess but, all the other things I can do. But sub 10% <laughs> body fat. Sub 10. And hairless. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. so start taking Ozempic and yeah. Uh, yeah. go get that. I've been asking, hey, if y'all got Ozempic, hook me up. <laughs> all right, guys, this was beyond awesome. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. Brilliant time. Thank you, guys. Yes. This is great. So thanks, are we in a thanks passion? Thanks for the time. <laughs> <laughs> <It's> so good. <laughs> all right. All thanks, right. Mike. Uh, thank you Over all. Over now. Have a blast. <laughs> I'ma need a sentimental man or woman to pump me up. Feeling fussy, walking in my Balenciennes, trying to bring out the fabulous. Cause I give a fuck.